Good morning and welcome to the Kim Jong Bui Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Cam Daig, and as is becoming regular on the show, with me today is my co-host, Gabe Sbarzo. Give it up for Gabe, everybody. Whoop, whoop. Hey, what's up, everybody? Well, Gabe, we uh, got through the marathon podcast of last week. Not sure if our listeners made it through the marathon podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and I was just going to say whether you listened to 10 minutes of it, zero minutes of it, or the whole two hours, we appreciate it. And uh, we love hearing the feedback from it, for sure. And it sparking conversation is one of the uh, like biggest pleasures we get from doing this. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I know for sure like a couple people listen to it. And if that's all we get, that's fine. At least me and you got to talk football and spend our Wednesday Bro. nights together. So mm-hmm. uh, getting into it this week, a uh, similar format as always. We'll kind of go through the news, uh, news of our, our league, and then also the NFL league. Um, and then we'll kind of look at last week's fantasy report, uh, next week's look ahead i guess and then we'll kind of fade into the end of the episode as per usual um why don't you go ahead and start us off with uh some of these injuries yeah of course so let's go ahead and start with uh the big one um dak prescott suffered a right ankle fracture with dislocation and he is out for the year so he played for Camden's team, this injury was gruesome, one of those plays that you don't want to see twice. And um, the the energy was sucked out of the arena. I actually switched off of the game. I couldn't watch football the rest of the day because it was like such a like somber atmosphere. It didn't mm. feel right. Um, but, yeah, everyone felt for him. He's a good guy, a great guy. And uh, Andy Dalton is going to set to back up there, who Camden actually picked up uh, – this morning i believe and so or whenever you're getting this i believe it was wednesday morning so uh, he also has Kirk cousins so we're definitely are downgrading at quarterback for his team but we'll see we'll see how andy dalton performs and Kirk cousins has that one bad game but other than that he's been pretty good and his weapons have been reliable so yeah as long um, as he's I not think he'll be fine moving forward as yeah. long as he's not during prime time he'll be fine but exactly going back to the Dak Prescott injury like just being a sports fan as many of us are like you're bound to see one of these live and I I don't know if you have experienced others of these but just reminded me of like last year a couple years the Gordon Hayward injury uh it was very similar actually um with him going up for an alley-oop and landing super awkwardly and literally like just on live television, you're seeing this person's foot become detached from their body. Like it's yeah. just very, uh, very morbid um, in a way. But what's so crazy to me is like we'll talk about ACL injuries all the time, and it's it's just become very common in our league. But you would almost rather have what happened to Dak happen to an athlete than an ACL injury. Um, Not that I'm wishing injury upon anyone, but traditionally we've seen athletes come back more often from like a breaking um, of a leg or a breaking of an ankle, kind of like similar to what Dak Prescott had 
Um, we've seen some of that, and then we've also seen like ACL tears where the player just isn't the same anymore, you know. And so, even though it was one yeah. of those injuries that was terrible to watch live, yeah. Um, I so hope that Dak is able to come back bigger, better, stronger. Uh, no matter what team, I guess he's playing for. So yeah, and uh, one last thing in in looking for uh, like a comparison for this injury. Kenyon Drake, his junior year uh, at Alabama, actually suffered a very similar um, injury. And so it's encouraging that he's made his way back to the NFL and still playing. Or he played last year at a very high level. This year, not so much. But um, just for hope for the future for Dak, um, a lot of the staff um, of the Cowboys and uh, the the general manager, uh, Jerry Jones and his team of um, ad- administrators, I guess, have said that have come out and supported Dak and said that he's the future. So um, we're hopeful for a, a quick return and uh, definitely keeping him in our in our thoughts and prayers. Yep, absolutely. Going on to uh, a few of these other injuries, which, like, after looking at the Dak injury, we didn't have a whole bunch of uh, anything that was too severe. Uh, which thank goodness, but uh, Dalvin Cook suffered a groin injury on Sunday night. Um, It was weird, like Mike Zimmer, even immediately after the game, was like, oh, I really don't think it was that bad. And then he uh, had an MRI, I believe, on Monday, um, and the MRI came back uh, relatively clean. I think the Vikings are going to take it easy on him. He's not expected to play this week, um, but... Alexander Madison is looking like a smash play for as long as Dalvin Cook is going to be out. And uh, I don't know how long that will be. I I don't think the Vikings are in any rush to get him back. But at the same time, it's Dalvin Cook and you play your best players when you can. So did you hear any more on that? I didn't. Um, it's hard to read into because you would think that they would rest... Um... A, a player like Dalvin Cook until he's up to full health and has no injury or no no risk of reaggravation, especially with a backup like Alexander Madison, who rushed for over 100 yards in Dalvin Cook's absence. And so you would think that they would rest him, but you never know because, I mean, you want you want to win and you want your best players out there in order to win. And so, um, but I was going to say that this is this is a a player on Zach's roster, and so Zach had good running back depth. Um, like before yesterday's game, or when did the Vikings play? The Vikings were Sunday night. Sun. Okay, so before before Sunday evening, he had good running back depth, and then this morning he woke up and realized, oh, I have Melvin <laughs> Gordon, who we have news to get into. I also have Lev Bell, who's not currently on an NFL roster, <laughs> who we'll talk about later, and Dalvin Cook might be out for a game, so. We'll see. Like I said, he he rosters a lot of running backs, and he has pretty good depth. But it's just it's been an unfortunate week of news for Zach for sure. It's almost like everybody in the league told him that his plan of drafting these mm. old r- injury prone running backs was not a good one. And then here we are in week five, and his running backs are gone. So <clears throat> I to be can't fair, say... as far as I know, as far as I know, Melvin Gordon didn't hurt anyone or get hurt. He just made a poor decision. So. <laughs> and from what I've heard, like Melvin Gordon actually is like a really 
good dude from kind of yeah. the sources I've heard. So this is pretty out of character for him. For those of y'all that don't know, he was booked with a DUI on a Tuesday evening and was also going somewhere between 25 and 35 miles per hour over the speed limit. Um, so I don't believe he went to jail, um, but it's up in the air whether or not they're going to allow him to play this Sunday, and I believe that's going to be a team ruling. And so hopefully this is just like one of those instances where he was really foolish, made a foolish decision, and the, the team and himself can move on. And it's just like maybe a one-week deal where they where he's disciplined. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't see that lingering like you said. Uh, but there are a couple of concerns for Zach's running backs, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, the next one here that I had was Deontay Johnson. So he went out early in that Steelers game. He was, I believe, suffering from some sort of back spasms. And so they pulled him from the game, which ended up being an absolutely incredible thing for his quote-unquote replacement, Clay uh, Chase Claypool. And so Chase Claypool goes off for four touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he just looked like an absolute monster. He looked like the alpha uh, for that Steelers offense, and it's going to be really interesting going forward to see what his opportunities are, but it was clear in the game plan for the Steelers that they wanted to get Claypool involved. They were running plays for him and he was making the most of all of those opportunities. And so um, the future of Chase Claypool looks incredible in a dynasty perspective. It's yet to be seen whether it'll pay off for this season alone, but the breakout party is here for Chase Claypool. Yeah. And uh, it's weird because you wouldn't think that, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool just looking at their profiles Chase Claypool's like six inches taller than him you wouldn't think that that would directly have correlated but just the lack of competition for targets and Big Ben like finding somebody who he's comfortable going down the field with and also like running an end around like this guy's just a freak athlete he's six foot four and runs like a four four so this this is the year of the like machine generated wide receiver (laughs) because it seems like every team has an AJ Brown or a DK Metcalf or a Chase Claypool that just like seems to have emerged out of nowhere and just is the perfect blend of size, speed, agility, and football IQ. So it really feels like the NFL gods are finally repaying us for Megatron leaving the NFL (laughs) too early. And they're giving us so many uh, like reincarnations yeah, it's, of of Megatron. It's literally it's awesome. baby Megatrons everywhere. It's yeah. insane. No, it's 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 awesome, and it's really cool for the league because there's clearly tons of talent and tons of young players that will be ready to take over. Uh, oh yeah, in the future. Absolutely. As as we're uh, this this actually will bring us to our next quote unquote injury here of. AJ Green, I believe the team came out and said he suffered a hamstring injury, um, but there's a lot of smoke that there's not necessarily an injury, that he was just really benched in that game for the Bengals. Um, I believe at one point the cameras panned on AJ Green and he mouthed the words like, just trade me already. Um, and 
The reason I say this takes us into this injury, quote-unquote, is because all these baby Megatrons are showing up and they're starting to replace these older receivers that really just don't have it anymore. Uh, so what did you make of the, the A.J. Green injury? Yeah, um, I mean, he's had a history of hamstring injuries before. It feels like every year if there was like a prop bet on hamstring injuries, A.J. Green would be a pretty safe bet along with uh, the likes of like Sammy Watkins and uh, I don't know who else had a like, I wouldn't Will literally Fuller. Have that same cut. Yeah. Will Fuller. That's a great one. That's a great one. So there's just like, there's a couple players that always have hamstrings. So all that to say, this could be a, a pretty good cover up for something like a benching or a, pre- a preparation for getting traded, but it is kind of, um, like as a, as a as a fantasy owner of AJ Green, it's disappointing. But as a football fan, I love seeing young talent come in and just take the league by storm. And even the Bengals have some of that young talent on their own team. Oh, yeah. You know, T. Higgins is coming in and just absolutely torching with Joe Burrow, his fellow um, like rookie. And then Tyler Boyd is there, and Joe Mixon is there, and so a lot of these guys who. Um, like I guess are younger and they're, they're they're just more fun to watch now because they have a lot of that like uh, I don't know football swagger I can't even yeah, describe young it, just fire like, kind of yeah like they have a lot themselves. to prove yeah yep. they have a lot to prove AJ Green doesn't have much to prove he like he knows that he was one of the best receivers in the NFL for like five years straight you know like there's not that much to prove but like if somebody like joe burrow or t higgins never played another snap in the nfl they'd be forgotten and so there's just like a like a desire there's a want to go out and like give everything you have and leave it all on the field yeah no totally agree um kind of the last injury unless you had any more uh for fantasy was the sammy wadkin wadkins injury so he was running a route, I believe uh, it was literally just like a streak route, and he came up hobbling, and it was clearly a hamstring injury of sorts. It looks like he's going to miss a minimum of two weeks um, and could prolong uh, more into the season depending on how his recovery with that hamstring goes. In my opinion, this is going to open the door for the likes of McCole Hardman, you know, and I know Daniel has him on the trade block, um, I think I advised Daniel last week to just to hold on to him and see how it goes. I really do think this is going to open that opportunity for McCole Hardman because really he's going to have three receptions and one or two of them are going to go for touchdowns. Like that's just how it works with Patrick Mahomes, um, especially with a player that runs in the four threes, uh, maybe low four fours, and uh, he's a perfect complement to that. And so we'll see how long that injury is going to gonna last for Sammy Watkins. But for a player who at one point in his career was considering retiring and then kind of coming back and doesn't seem totally committed to football, it wouldn't surprise me if this injury lingered a little bit and it took him, you know, three to five weeks before he's returned in full. So, yeah, um, all I would say to that point is um, – it's interesting because a lot of times Sammy Watkins draws the shadow corner um, 
on different NFL teams. Like a lot of times they don't shadow Tyreek Hill. And a lot, a lot of it's because they need to kind of zone it to where there's a safety that can help over the top because no one's going to run stride for stride with Tyreek or Nicole Hardman. And so I actually think that um, Demarcus Robinson is also an interesting um, like ad or, or somebody to look at in the, in the future. Cause he actually comps more similarly to Sammy Watkins. He lines up in the slot a little bit more and he's also a, a like he has blazing speed. He's one of the Legion of Zoom, as they call them. But um, I would watch and see how the Chiefs decide to move forward. Um, they're also rumored to be signing Lev Bell potentially. That's the potentially. landing spot that I've. That's the landing spot I've heard the most noise about. At least in like they were recording this on Wednesday evening, so this is like a long shot, but. I mean, you get five skill position players, and so you have Michael Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Travis Kelsey, all kind of vying for time. Uh, we'll we'll see what that breaks down with because Sammy Watkins was in on like ninety percent of snaps. Yeah, no, he was he was playing well up up to this point in the year. He was involved in the offense, and uh, I think a lot of people were surprised, happily surprised a little bit by that. Um, and so it'll. It'll alter the offense a little bit. I don't think it's going to hamper it in any way because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Um, but it, it's going to alter what those target breakdowns look like for the receivers. Um, yeah, for sure. So did you have any other injuries to talk about? Uh, just real quick, DJ Chark for Big R's team. Uh, he left with an ankle injury. He's considered week to week. Uh, he, uh, I don't remember if he has a bye week or if he's projected to miss a week but um big r has kind of limited wide receiver depth right now um but he has a lot of running back depth so he can do with that information what he may i know that his team we'll talk about it a little later more in depth but it has been pretty interesting um to say the least so yeah he has yeah he has two rbs in the uh, in the flex right now kind of uh, like patching that DJ chart question mark, but um, yeah, we'll see. Going on to the returns here, there's really only a couple big names that I saw that we're planning on returning this week. The first one being uh, Cam Newton returning from COVID. Uh, I haven't seen any complications that Cam Newton has run into as far as coronavirus is concerned. So I would imagine when he returns to practice, it's going to be full go of Cam Newton getting back to being super Cam and uh, sniping goal line carries from that Patriots backfield. The other big return is Devontae Adams is planning on returning after the bye week this this last week. I know there was initially talks of him returning that week before the bye week. And as the owner of Devontae Adams, I'm actually super happy that they didn't try to rush him back before the bye week because this just gave him an extra week of rest. I am fully confident that he's going to come back uh, as close to 100% as he can. And that's the kind of Devontae Adams that I want. This also has fantasy implications because this will be the first time that I'm able to to roster all four of my stud receivers and so i am super excited to 
somewhat be at full strength with my roster. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, four stud receivers to cover up the RB slot strategy. I like it. Hey, you can't have studs <laughs> everywhere, all right, man? <laughs> no, no, no. It, I'm looking at the team right now, and it is going to be fun to have Tyreek, Terry McLaurin, Kenny Galladay, and Devontae Adams all like very dominant wide receiver ones for their respective teams on the field, the fake fantasy field, but the field together nonetheless. Man, that would be a fun team if they were all together. <laughs> um, our last really big bit of news here, you hinted on it earlier. Le'Veon Bell was released by the New York Jets. Um, I can honestly say that I was shocked. I don't know if other people were, um, but reading that, I I just thought, wow, good for Le'Veon for uh, securing the bag early and making a lot of money off the New York Jets, and Adam Gase is still terrible at his job. Um, and that doesn't change with this release in any way. Um, in my opinion, I think this is a huge blessing for Le'Veon. I, I think he could go anywhere else, truly, and it'd be a better outlook than what he was looking at with the Jets. Um, but kind of the four teams I have highlighted that I could see as prospective teams that he could go to um, are the New England Patriots, the Arizona Cardinals, the Buffalo Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are kind of the four teams that I've heard a little bit of rumors around. Um, I don't know if Le'Veon is still the same Le'Veon as we used to know and love, um, but he's still talented, and I think he can still make a difference on a roster. Um, especially for a team that wants to compete for a Super Bowl this year. So what were your initial thoughts on his release? Yeah, um, my initial thoughts, there's like there's three steps to becoming a successful running back with a good legacy in the NFL, right? So you come in, you're a rookie, you're fresh, you want to prove yourself, bam. You establish yourself as a rookie or through that rookie contract. Then... Okay, you got to get the bag. You have to secure the bag. Your next contract, you have to secure the big contract because after that, you're what, 26, 27? That's like 85 in running back years. So you're, at that point, you're not securing any bag. That's how old Le'Veon is anyways now. So he's, he's two for three right now. The third to cementing your legacy is winning a title. So I think that that amongst... I guess, like, everyone actually wants to play if they win a title. I mean, maybe not, like, DeMarcus Cousins or, I don't know, some other people. But, you know, like, people want to win, usually, and they want to play to win. And so I think that that will weigh heavily into his evaluation of his potential landing spots. But, yeah, I mean, good for the man. He got paid. He um, has had some, uh, like he's butted heads with teammates and coaching staffs and GMs and stuff. And so you have to wonder if uh, the motif is the coaching or the motif is the player. So he might be difficult to work with, but I do know he's a very talented player and that the jet situation, I mean, the people that signed him, it was like public that Adam Gase didn't want him there. Yeah. Like, and the guy that signed him, that, that GM, 
was fired like two months after he signed him. It was just a really bad situation for everybody involved. There was some like subtweeting about him only getting one target coming out of Sunday. And like you knew that it was destined to go poorly. I'm just glad that it was finally resolved. We get some clarity as fantasy players and as NFL fans. So, Yeah, and we've seen every single Jets player or former Jets player, whenever they move on to a new team, be successful. And so I would not be surprised if on next week's podcast we're talking about um, the next Le'Veon Bell situation and it turns out well for him. So, Love, Love Bell, top 12 running back, rest of season. You heard it here first. Well, that's bold, but I'm <laughs> next week's podcast, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more when we see where he is uh, signed. So I think that does it as far as like NFL news. Gabe, do you have anything else for us? Nah, nah. Okay, well. That's that's all I have. Let's move on to our league, our fantasy league. Uh, It was actually looking like we weren't going to have any big trades for this week. And then a few hours ago, boom, just get hit with this this huge trade that went through between you and Bowie. And so this will be fun. We'll get your really like initial reactions to the trade and you'll get mine because it it literally just happened um and so let's let's highlight the trade really quick and then we'll get your thoughts so the trade again was between gabe and Bowie. gabe receives michael thomas nick chubb and Cortland sutton Bowie receives stefan diggs chase edmonds and josh jacobs I actually think this was the first trade this year that didn't involve a draft pick. So, way to go. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, what are your... Kind of so, walk me through how this trade went down and like what you were thinking on your end. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do that then. So, um, we... Bowie and I have been in like trade talks for a couple of weeks. Um... Josh Jacobs was always kind of at the forefront of those trade talks. And then I wanted Robbie Anderson last week and we just could never get a deal done. And so like, we've just been talking in the sleeper app for a while. And uh, so today there was, we went back and forth and ultimately he in different, in different packages, he's offered me both Michael Thomas and Nick Chubb. And so I went after them, and then eventually we settled on the resulting trade, which is right here. Um, I do think it was fair. I think that I won in the long term, but I think in the short term, Bowie's going to see benefit quicker because Josh Jacobs has been hot and is not injured like Nick Chubb. Stephon Diggs got 16 targets last night. like He's been super hot, but Michael Thomas is still Michael Thomas. We just have to see it. And I feel like a lot of times, like, the players, we just kind of forget. Like, I realized yesterday watching Tuesday Night Football, like, I forgot about all the Titans players. Like, Joni Smith has been a beast. He's been, like, a top five tight end type of beast. And, like, I've never thought of him as a high end tight end the last couple of weeks because I just forget. And so I think a lot of these players on IR, we don't see them play for a while and we just kind of forget um, their value. Cortland Sutton is, like, Allen Robinson to me, just a little bit younger and uh, like he just is dynamic. He doesn't, he's quarterback proof. 
I think that he'll have a great career. And so, like I said, I think that this is a long-term investment for me. And uh, like in the short term, Bowie will see results. Chase Edmonds is also an interesting prospect. He had like like five touches. I'm exaggerating, but he didn't touch the ball very much and still finished with like 17 fantasy points in our league. So he uh, that's kind of my how, how we walk through it. But yeah, it took a while to get here. This was not just like one of those that appears in the inbox and you click accept it takes a while to work through trades like this yeah no i like initially looking at the trade um in my opinion i think the best prospect in this trade is josh jacobs i am also like much higher on josh jacobs i think than a lot of people are um but i really love josh jacobs so in my opinion like he's the best prospect in this trade um but then second and third to me are easily Nick Chubb and Michael Thomas. And so it's it's kind of gauging what you want out of the trade. So I think the highest ceiling player out of here is Josh Jacobs. But then I feel like you're getting more of like a depth play. And then you also said what I was thinking in that for you, this is more of a long-term play. You know, Nick Chubb is currently injured. We don't know how soon he's going to come back or how they're going, how the team's going to treat him um, as he returns. Michael Thomas is also coming off of injury. Um, I, I still think that he's a monster, um, and I don't think that he's going to be bad in any way this season. I just think that it might take him a little bit longer to get going. And then Cortland Sutton's kind of a wild card for me. Chase Edmonds is a huge wild card for me. How... Um, Kenyon Drake has looked thus far this season is truly worrisome. And in contrast to that, Chase Edmonds has looked incredible in his rare opportunities of getting the ball. And so you never know how that contract situation um, is going to flow out of Arizona. Uh, you never know if there's going to be trades that are made or moves that are made or releasing of running backs like we saw with the Jets. Um, and so I would agree... Uh, mainly with you is I think Bowie definitely gets better in the short term with Josh Jacobs and Stefan Diggs has actually been really good this year I know he's been banged up a little bit um, but he's been good again this year and then for you it's kind of a wait and get uh, get what you want out of the trade later on and not necessarily right away um, but I don't really favor one side or the other. It's just kind of like what you guys wanted out of it. We had also been talking the past couple of weeks of seeing where Bowie is going to want to go with this team. And it seems like with this trade, he wants to contend sooner rather than later. Um, which is a definitely a viable option for him given his roster. Uh, that was something we had praised Bowie for is he had a roster that could go any which way as far as like playing long term and like playing more for the future or playing for this season and the next couple of seasons and it appears that he is pushing it in a little bit and wanting to make a push um earlier rather than later yep so um did you have any other comments about the trade um i don't know we'll see we'll see next year but i had Cortland sutton on a roster last year and uh he was extremely dominant, so I feel like, like I said, it'll it'll be a wait and see game. But I'm I'm far more confident in Nick Chubb and Cortland Sutton than it sounds like you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Nick Chubb is incredible. Um, it's just really unfortunate that he has Kareem Hunt 
sitting right there behind him, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know how that's going to shake out going forward, especially with Kareem Hunt already securing his contract with the Browns, but not Nick Chubb. So that'll be kind of interesting to monitor going forward as well. He'll definitely be on a roster. Um, it's just right. dependent upon what roster it's going to be. So that I think that's why I favor Josh Jacobs a little bit more. Like his contract situation is just uh, a little bit more visible in his future. Yeah, so. I think he has like a extra year on Nick Chubb's contract. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It was comparable to me. I looked at it. I remember. Yeah, that's fair. So um, the other thing that I want to get into here is uh let's talk about zach for a minute um i never want to like talk about zach just because that's just not a very fun activity and probably tank our ratings for this podcast (laughs) um but it word is starting to get out about zach from just what i'm hearing um it's almost become a meme in a way to begin talking trades with Zach in our league. Uh, everyone that I've talked to just laughs when I say, hey, have you ever like, have you ever tried trading with Zach? And everybody's like, dude, he sends the worst first offers in the history of first trade offers. And this just got like expounded upon today um, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an insight into the trade that Zach so elegantly thought up and took the time to send to me that I actually had to go into the sleep wrap, look at this trade, and decide whether or not I was going to accept this trade. And so here's the trade breakdown. Zach was going to offer me Julio Jones and a first-round pick for... Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Now, Zach, I know. I know you're a smart guy. I know that you know football. I also know that I know football. And what in God's name were you thinking by sending me a trade offer so horrible that I actually had to waste my day to go in and decline the trade. And so here's what I'm thinking, Gabe. Mm -hmm. This has become fairly commonplace with Zach. Uh, And so I'm almost to the point that I want to implement a two-week ban on Zach from being able to talk any trades with anyone so that he can really take the time to think about all the time he's wasted for other people in our league. Because I think it's about time. Somebody put him in his place. He's not making jokes. He is legitimately sitting there thinking, this this might be a trade that someone will accept. This is how you start trade conversations. And no, Zach, that's not how you start trade conversations. That's wasting people's time. And I can't stand for it anymore. Um, And so if there's another instance where this happens, please feel free to send me a message or send me a screenshot of the ridiculous trade that Zach sends you, and I will be more than happily happy to implement said two-week ban. What do you think? All right, all right. To be fair to Zach, there are situations where that trade would make more sense than it does, but you're four and one, and he wants you to trade away 
two of your best assets for a Julio Jones who is an older asset but still a valuable asset in a first-round pick. Now, if those two guys were valuable and you had committed to it doesn't even really make sense in the sense of a rebuild but like let's say we were close to the end and there was there was like you knew you were getting a top three pick in next year's draft for sure and you knew that julio jones was going to come back and be just as dominant as zach or whoever drafted him drafted him to be that trade makes a little bit more sense and i like I, I understand that. Um, also, like there's, like like you can send a low ball offer. I don't have a problem with people sending me low ball offers because it at least lets me know what players on my roster they're interested in. I kind of have like a everyone's available for a for the right price mindset when it comes to fantasy football. Like I'm not gonna hold someone just because I think that like they're valuable because there's a lot of times where. Like, if you give me, like, I mean, there's teams out there that don't have the piece that I'm looking for, but, like, there's always someone better, almost. And so I'm like, if I can, if I can get to that point, at least I know who you're interested in. And so there's, like, a, there's a, there's a a time and a place for a lowball offer and maybe trying to get a counter going, trying to get a conversation. But you're going to have to start, like, a, a conversation in the, like, in actual text form. It doesn't, like, when I just wake up and see, a, a trade offer that I don't think is very fair and then no reasoning behind it or no like, Hey, like, are you interested in this? Or like, what, like, what are you thinking about this? It doesn't motivate me to try to come up with like a very fair trade back. It, it kind of just makes me want to send a low ball offer back and then we never talk about it again. And so um, like, I'm, I'm a little bit more like, I don't get offended when people send me bad trades because I'm just like, eh, like at least I know they're looking at my roster. They want players on my team. Like, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but I'm like, I wonder, like, if anything's ever going to get done with that strategy. You know? Can I just be honest with you? It would have been a yeah. more for, fair trade <laughs> for him to offer those things for one of those players. Like, let's say Julio Jones and a first round pick for Tyreek Hill right? Like that's closer to fair. I yeah. still would have declined that offer, but this guy and had that, the audacity he, to put both players, Tyreek Hill well, and Devontae Adams in there. I would also say that like when you play dynasty, certain players will value picks more. And it doesn't sound like you are valuing picks the same way that like other people might. Cause I know people in another, like other dynasty leagues that like, they probably would not have done that trade straight up. Don't get me wrong. But like a version of that trade could have been done. Maybe it would have been two first round picks, like one for next year and one for this year. But like they value picks in a way where like that trade doesn't, isn't completely ridiculous. But like I said, it makes no sense for you right now because you're four and one. And those are two of the biggest pieces to getting you to win the championship. Like you're trying to do, you know? So it like, it, well, it doesn't. Okay. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Let's say that that first round pick guarantees you that that is the number one overall pick for next year's draft. Okay. Right. Yeah. Are you accepting that trade? I mean, it would have been Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. Like, it, it, you don't know what it's going to look like. Like, it, it would have been Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor. It would have been, like, a very valuable piece. Like, there's not... No. It's not like a... <laughs> 
No, like, you, you I, get what I'm, I'm saying. Like yeah. I, I get what you're saying, but but so like like let's let's go let's go reverse in time. It was Julio Jones and Clyde Edwards-Helaire for Devontae Adams and uh, Tyreek Hill. I'm, I'm you're not offended that by offer. that trade. Yeah, you're declining it, but you're not offended by it. Uh, like you you're you're legitimately offended by this offer and I see it a little bit differently than you. I'm cutting your whole part out of this <laughs> podcast cuz I want Zach to know how offended I am at this freaking trade offer. I, I know. Hey, I want I want feedback on this from the rest of the league. If you agree with me, I want you to put that in the pod or in the uh, in the sleeper group text. If you agree with Gabe, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear about it. All right, let's move on here. Um, there were a few people that were added to the trade block for our league. So Mark Andrews and Johnu Smith were both added, um, to the trade block. Uh, again, I just reiterating last week, I think Garrett would be a great landing spot. He is continuing to struggle, um, with tight end production. He's still cranking out wins. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, he, that is one position where he is weak. And so it seems like... Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna also add, so we didn't just uh, like have to repeat ourselves. I was looking through rosters, and uh, Big R uh, could need. He could use some help with the Zach Ertz disappointment. His his team has been kind of underperforming, like on a holistic level, and so I think that this could help Mark Andrews and John R. Smith if he can get a deal done. Could help in the long term for his like he has a win now team and it just hasn't been producing and so i think zach Ertz could be step one maybe or replacing zach Ertz could be step one in the right direction yeah honestly the tight end landscape has been pretty rough this year um so i think everybody's kind of looking for just any sort of production from tight ends um but you bring up a great point zach Ertz has been terribly disappointing especially for his draft capital so the other player that was on that was added to the trade block, which I thought was interesting, was Daniel added Mike Williams um, to the trade block. He just had a pretty big week uh, with Justin Herbert this past week. It looks like they are really starting to um, gain some chemistry there. He is a player that goes up and get attacks the ball at its highest point, and Justin Herbert has a huge cannon of an arm and is willing to give his uh, receivers plenty of chances to go get it. I know he has an injury history, but honestly, like I think that's a great player for anybody. Um, and I really think that it's interesting that Daniel is putting Mike Williams as well as McCole Hardman on the trade block. Um I would almost give similar advice for Mike Williams as I would for McCole Hardman is I would hang on to those players and really see what you have unless you're getting some like crazy offers for those players right now they're they're lottery tickets that could turn into something really big um and so maybe Daniel is just super selling for the future and just wants to gain as many future draft picks as he can um to play the long game, but I think those are players that anybody really would want on their team to see what they become. So, yeah. And uh, for for Mike Williams, I was thinking like if you want like a buy low Megatron receiver, Mike Williams is probably your guy because you have Keenan Allen, who's more of the possession guy. But this guy is like a contested catch king, and that we've seen just how dominant the players that can make contested catches this year can be. So I think that even though he had a great game, he could still be a buy low little baby Megatron if you're looking to get that. 
Um, I also thought for best landing spots for Mike Williams and Keelan Cole, who are both on the trade block. I thought Zach, um, his depth piece, like he he could use some depth pieces at wide receiver that could help until Julio Jones returns. And like we said, his team has been kind of ravaged by injury and news and like things that are not in his control. And so, well, Daniel, yeah. get ready for him to offer you just like a twenty twenty seven third round pick or something. So here. His uh, bad trading ways are coming to you. <laughs> All right, anything else as far as trades? No, let's get into the recap. Let's do it. All right, boys. Let's get into this week five recap. Uh, starting it off with a bang. First game we had was me versus Bowie. It was another close game uh, for Bowie, which... He finally squeaked this one out, and the final score ended up being 141 to my 135. Uh, like I said, another close game for Bowie. Every single week has been close for him. Um, so even though it came at my expense, I'm happy for him. He deserved to get at least one or two of these wins because um, he's been close every single week. I actually would have won the game if the Bills Titans game was canceled because Ryan Fitzpatrick aka Fitzmagic went off on my bench and that was my replacement player for Josh Allen who kind of didn't do so hot this week um and then also Aaron Donald who I picked up earlier in the week destroyed and had I believe he had three sacks on the day uh, he was a monster, and had I just played him, I would have won. But I'm a big old dummy and didn't play arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. So, Yeah, um, my breakdown of this game, it was funny because it was literally like the Giants offense versus the Panthers offense. You have Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, and Devonta Freeman, all who you played. And he has... Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore, all who you played, and every single player either met or exceeded their expectation. Like, how did this work? It was just, when I was breaking this game down, it humored me that it worked because it was matchups, I guess. You yeah. played Dallas, and he played Atlanta, but it's just like, y'all literally played, like, entire NFL offenses and just kind of cornered the market on any yards that they were <laughs> getting, because, I mean, you played their, the you played New York's three best offensive weapons, and he played... Carolina's three best offensive well, weapons. It was so. really funny too. Hey, when it when it because <laughs> we both uh, we played the two worst defenses possibly in the history of the NFL. You know, yeah. so that's why you're able to play those players and make it work. So. Yeah, yeah, kind of wild. So big matchup game, but um, Josh Allen, like you said, finally had a human game. He was still QB thirteen by our scoring, but like you said, you had. Uh, Fitz Magic on your bench, and Fitz Magic was like he was in the top five QBs behind like Ryan Tannehill and some others. Um, and then yeah, that's all I really have on that game. I yeah. just thought it was funny when I was breaking it down how many single player or single <laughs> team players y'all had. Yeah, and what I will say is like this was my first loss of the season, but I'll just tell you this was the first time in a while I've felt really good about my team. Like I didn't have like a 115 to 105 win, you know, like my team put up 135 and Terry McLaurin really wasn't that great. 
and neither was Josh Allen. And so I felt like for the first time in a while, I got like a whole team performance, which was really nice. And then Bowie's team also like all played really well. Um, and so I think both of our teams performed well. I'm not feeling bad at all about the loss. I'm sitting at four and one and just had like a pretty good week. So um, I'm I'm really not too upset about my loss. But getting in, getting into the next matchup here, we had uh, a highly anticipated matchup of Camden versus Zach. We highlighted last week that the smack talk would be great on the sleeper app. Uh, I do know at one point they started talking crap to each other. It was awesome. Um, but the final score did not end up being competitive. Camden wiped the floor with Zach. He scored 153 to Zach's 105. It was an absolute massacre. Uh, I believe me and you both had picked Zach to win. Um, and Camden yes, comes we... out of nowhere and destroys those hopes and dreams. So, what were your thoughts so on I, the matchup? So, we, we, had, we had picked Zach to win because Duke Johnson was in the starting lineup for Camden. He took Duke Johnson out, so it was only right that he ended up winning. He replaced him with Latavius Murray, who, <laughs> not much better, but I think just the principle of the matter, he, uh, he, he realized the lack of confidence we had, and Latavius Murray was the... Uh, the rightful next choice. But no, I think that the big story here is um, Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett, who had been like very consistent to this point uh, for the most part. They had a bit of a disappearing act. And I just wanted to highlight that uh, from week four to week five, um, Amari Cooper's snap percentage went from 77% to 64%. Mm-hmm. And Gallup's went up from 82% to 97%. So in the like single and double wide receiver sets, it's Gallup, um, or it was last week. And so it's something to look forward to because Gallup has been the third most productive fantasy wide receiver, but he's on the field a lot and runs a lot of routes. And so, um, and and even the short 11 11 throws that Andy Dalton had, I think he targeted Gallup on like three of them. And so we'll have to keep an eye out for what Michael Gallup is going to um, mean to the Dallas Cowboys offense moving forward, but um, it's also disappointing. Uh, Dalton Schultz, um, Dalton Schultz, and Dak were building a lot of chemistry, and uh, he only finished for one catch with for with one catch for six yards. Yeah. So um, we'll see again. We haven't seen Andy Dalton play an entire game with a game plan, and so um, it's definitely something to keep in mind. And uh, like we've talked about, we've kind of harped on it. But, yeah, Zach's running backs are a concern by not a huge fault of his own, but um, a lot of just news, injuries, and unfortunate um, scenarios have caused his, um, like, seemingly pretty solid running back situation to uh, not be so solid anymore. So, Yeah, the other highlight that I want to bring up is, like, Camden is getting huge production out of his IDPs. And this is not the first time we've said this. Um, like, I believe both of his IDPs this week put up over 22 points uh, a piece. And, like, that goes a long way, um, especially when you've got probably the league average being around 12 uh, to 14 points. Like, he's getting that bonus 20 points out of his IDPs. Um, and it made a huge difference this week. Brandon Cooks also uh, revived from the dead. Like, he had zero 
catches and one target last week and then puts up a monster showing this week. Um, so I don't know how reliable that's going to be going forward. Maybe now he's out of the shackles of Bill O'Brien um, and he'll become Deshaun's number one receiver. Or maybe it was like one of those just fluky things and he just kept finding himself wide open. Uh, but Camden keeps finding a way, man. And don't yeah. look now, but he's in third place overall, which is kind of crazy given like how devastated his roster has been with injuries and COVID and whatnot. Um, and then on the other side, Zach got next to nothing from his pass catchers, and now his running back depth is in trouble. Um, I don't know that that's going to get any better by next week, but Zach is in a little bit of dangerous territory, I, I think, for these next couple weeks, and he's got to really figure out a way to get more production out of those receivers and his flex plays. So, um, yeah. Maybe this is just a one-week showing, and he'll be back on track next week. But I have him uh, being a contender this year, and I believe he's uh, dropped the last two. Maybe he won last week. I'm not sure on that. Um, but he's sitting in fourth place because Camden just jumped him after that, and he's not looking great for next week. So we'll see. Yep. And then I was just going to bring up Tyler Higby has been disappointing Thus far, he uh, Gerald Everett had more catches and more yards in this game than he did, and he just he can be so game plan dependent. I don't know that he's going to be a reliable tight end moving forward. Another trade target maybe for the Mark Andrews, Johnny Smith on the block, and I AJ Brown. I miss AJ Brown, but um, Michael Thomas making has made up for it in the uh, trade I just received. So I just every time I watch AJ Brown play, I get little butterflies. Okay, <laughs> we'll just look at uh, Michael Thomas, and then you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> all right, getting into our next matchup here, we had you versus Daniel, so a little uh, little Sabarzo brother action going on there, um, and we both picked you to win. Daniel, honestly, I think had one of his better showings of the season, um, but still wasn't enough. You put up 151 points. Daniel put 121 points um, to give you kind of kind of a good uh, secure victory. Like you weren't sweating it out towards the end like you have been the last couple weeks. No, I would agree. Um, I think the running back situation for me was encouraging. Miles Sanders, um, Doug Peterson's come out and said like that that's probably our three down guy. So. Feeling pretty good about Miles Sanders. Marquise Brown finally found his way into the end zone, so woohoo. <laughs> the Ravens offense still needs a little bit of a like yeah, you know, like a, a little correction act, like a I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, they just don't look like the same team as last year. I was gonna say um, or they are still winning. Our expectations <laughs> of that offense, you know. Yeah, they are still winning, but everyone looks a little bit different than than they did in the years past or last year at least. Yeah. And then for Daniel, I was just going to, like, my only note is when you needed the most, they vanished. And it was Jarek McKinnon and Scotty Miller, two two guys who I was actually genuinely high on yeah. going into the week and just nothing. Like, you would think with Chris Godwin out, Scotty Miller would, like, be a smash play. He didn't even see the ball. Yeah. And then Jarek McKinnon, I was like, Jarek McKinnon has been, like, probably top, top five best-looking running backs through, five, through four weeks. 
Like, there's no way that Raheem Mostert comes in off his, like, little knee thing that he had and just takes every touch and that's he exactly did. what happened so yeah, he absolutely did <laughs> yeah it was it wild it also didn't wild. help that san francisco got smashed from the very beginning of that game oh dude that was crazy i mean jimmy garoppolo inched at one point yeah. you know so like that was just kind of one of those crazy yeah. outlier games in my opinion um, yeah, which doesn't bode well for Daniel because he has both of those running backs, and so he's gonna have to make the decision of what he thinks the 49ers are gonna do going forward. Um, yeah, I but if he picks right, he'll be fine. Uh, it's just that that kind of sucks that he has to keep picking which one to go with. Yeah, yeah, I talked to him. He said he wants to play both, but I mean, I just say you plug in Raheem Mostert most weeks, and he's like a home run hitter. Like even if you lose out on a goal line carry or two to Jarek McKinnon, and he falls into the end zone a couple times, like Raheem Mostert can get an eighty yard touchdown yeah. next week and make up for it. You know, like I think you just hit you swing for the fences when you play fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. My my notes on this matchup were, you know, you got well rounded production from your team, which was had to be just like super encouraging. Um, yeah. and then now you've kind of made a big, a big trade, uh, with Bowie. And so I, I think you've laid out more of a clear plan for yourself going forward. Um, and then for Daniel, like you, he dropped to Owen five, but like, he really does have building blocks for his team. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I was starting to get a little bit worried, uh, not the talent, but just Bill O'Brien being awful. Um, and now that Bill O'Brien's gone, like he did look a little bit better, you know, I, yeah, like he, I don't know if it was just him wanting to prove that he's still a great quarterback or what, but he did look better this week. Um, and then D hop is a monster, man. Like he just goes out there and is, he's the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. Um, like he, and that's a nice player to have on your team. So I really don't think Daniel's that far off, uh, from being competitive, um, but starting 0-5, I I can really, like, that's discouraging as a fantasy owner um, and will make you, like, start to think about whether this season even matters or whether it starts, it's time to, like, start looking forward. Um, and so I don't know where Daniel's at in all of that, um, but I, I want to know. I think he does have really good pieces on his team. It, it's just that it's a dart throw team, like you've talked about many times, and so far he hasn't connected on those dart throws, so... Yeah, yeah, and we're—I mean—we're just over a third of the way through the season. Okay. So if he wanted to turn it around, like, I think he could. He's just gonna have to beat. Like, it's a ten-team dynasty league. Like, you're gonna have to beat good players on the other side. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And this year, with COVID and like more injuries than we've experienced probably ever, uh, depth matters. And like yeah. continuing to be active with trades and a little bit on like um picking up players on waivers or whatever uh, that stuff's gonna matter at the end of the season if you really want to be competitive or set your team up nicely for the future so yeah that was kind of all i had on that matchup the uh next matchup we had here was garrett versus ben uh you had garrett winning i had ben winning um garrett's team just absolutely went off again he scores 166 points to Ben's 106 points. Um, so Ben kind of falls back down a little bit there, and Garrett, the machine, just, like, keeps on rolling. Um, and so what were your thoughts on the matchup? 
my thoughts were um like I keep thinking that there's no way Russell Wilson and Alvin Kamara can keep up the pace they're on and every single week thus far they've proven me wrong and like it's not just in fantasy production it's in like the way that they look doing it like they just they look better than the competition and it's crazy um also Calvin Ridley and Adam Thielen are the number two and number three uh, wide receivers mm-hmm. um, in our scoring format thus far. So, like, Garrett has the number one quarterback, the number one running back, the number two receiver, and the number three receiver in our scoring format. Like, it's not – it doesn't really it, – it's it's not hard to reach the conclusion that he's undefeated is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the rest of his lineup is. Ronald Jones, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, they don't really matter because he has these – crazy difference makers as long as those guys are not putting up zeros like he's gonna keep winning yep no i think the big surprise out of that list for me is adam thielen like i really had doubts coming into this season how good he could really be and sustain and he really might be the number one fantasy receiver this year like he is on such a pace to be that good um yeah and then then i just put in here i was like if he ever figures out his tight end position the rest of the league is really going to be in even more trouble um which is just so funny because like to get two points out of your tight end position and still be just massacring people is is crazy like he has yet to make the right decision on a tight end and it doesn't even matter (laughs) you know like you're saying so no yeah and honestly like as an rb2 todd Gurley has been like better than just good he's been like probably the best rb2 in fantasy it is like, blowing my mind i i he, he like he it. looks good yeah <laughs> i really cannot believe it that that one-legged man is doing what he's doing <laughs> so for Straight ben um he honestly had like a pretty average game from most of his team nobody truly like went off which is why he ended up with 106 points but then also like to get three points from your quarterback, um, Matt Ryan, like that's just a killer. You're you're rarely gonna win a matchup getting three points out of your quarterback. Um, and my moral of the story for Ben is like, we now know never play Matt Ryan when Julio is not in the game. Like he forgets how to football when Julio is not in the game. It, it's insane. He starts throwing to receivers who the broadcasters don't even know their names and like he just loses his freaking mind and it is so weird so ben like if julio is still out go find another quarterback because he matt ryan's been awful without julio um and then for ben it had to be nice for like Kenyon drake to get into the end zone so like his final like his fantasy total was was nice but you still have to be a little bit worried about how he looked it wasn't great uh the touchdown kind of really saved his his uh, fantasy day. Um, but on the flip side, C.D. Lamb, this dude is a future Hall of Famer. Like, he is so dang good. And I really don't think that's going to change with Andy Dalton. Um, I know Dak looked his way more and more every week. I think the same is going to be true for Andy Dalton. Like, C.D. Lamb just gets open. He plays that sought after slot position for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to be down a ton in a lot of games. 
I think he's going to continue to be a huge focal point for the Cowboys offense. Um, and that's super exciting for Ben and the future of CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Just one more note to add. I would say that if anything was to happen to Melvin Gordon uh, disciplinary uh, for any disciplinary reasons, um, Ben does have Philip Lindsay on the bench. And so that could help alleviate some of the running back uh everyone needs running back depth but like let's say you weren't as confident in Devin Singletary or Kenyon Drake going forward if you found out that Melvin Drake was going to be out I think Philip Lindsay would be a fine play behind that Denver O-line oh yeah absolutely so um our last matchup here was Conley versus Big R uh if I'm not mistaken this was supposed to be the highest scoring matchup of the week um, at least projected wise, uh, we we're both expecting these guys to put up big points. You were obviously expecting Conley to put up more big points than Big R. I was expecting Big R to put up more points. And of course, I was wrong. You were right. Conley destroys Big R 158 to 91. Uh, it was a beatdown from the beginning. <laughs> And I think Conley even was bold enough to put a little note in the sleeper app uh, commemorating how terribly Big R performed. <laughs> so um, go ahead, and why don't you start us off with your thoughts from the matchup? Yeah, well, be- before I get into that, I just wanted, like, so so we're, we're five games in, and so there's been, like, a significant amount of points scored for each team, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's kind of solidified into tiers for me right so you have garrett at the top he's pretty much untouched and then the next tier down you have cam you have camden you have zach you have Connolly, and you have Bowie. so these are all like two and three three and two four and one teams that are like kind of fighting for that middle spot mm-hmm. and then you have the bottom tier which is myself daniel ben and Big R. Big R is the second lowest scoring player in our fantasy like league so far. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so surprising given the given the roster, given the like hype that his roster had garnered like going into the season and even after a few down games we were like, Oh, they'll rebound, you know, like they'll they'll rebound. At what point like do you have to start maybe making some changes or maybe uh, like 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 I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting when you break it down. The big R sitting at two and three, but with the second lowest points scored for. So um, I think I wrote also he can maybe get jump started with baby Dalvin, a.k.a. Alexander Madison. If uh, Dalvin misses a week or two, or I guess it would only be one week because they have the bye and then he's probably coming back. And Michael Gallup has also seen the increased snap percentage I was talking about earlier. So I think that maybe those two can kind of jumpstart the lineup a little bit but i just like when when i look at that team i'm like there's no way that this is the second lowest scoring team like there's yeah there's so many players on here like lamar jackson should be going off and like ezekiel elliott and clyde edwards alaire that duo like that we were so we were so jealous of when the season started you know like it 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 is uh it's been weird man yeah, it, it really has, and, and you know, like you said, Lamar just isn't having those same games from last year that he had had. Um, 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like I know he keeps getting the hype and he's honestly keeps getting opportunities, but he really hasn't shown us anything great as of yet. Like I think you hinted on it last week where you were just talking about how he we haven't seen him make somebody miss in the open field like we did when he was at LSU. Like that just that play hasn't happened yet this year. Um I believe he scored a touchdown this last week, but it was honestly kind of ugly in the way he got there. Uh, I also some, saw some stat for him that he has seven or eight carries within the five-yard line, so at the goal line within the five-yard mm-hmm. line, and those are totaling negative three yards and zero touchdowns. And oh, so well. that's just like that's just a wild stat, and I don't know if that's just like poor circumstance and poor timing or or what it is but to have all those opportunities and to really not make the most of it like that's really hurting big r's team um for yeah. somebody that was supposed to be killing him or killing it for him and then zach yeah. Ertz, like we already mentioned he did that dude seriously might retire after this season he's been so bad mm-hmm. um and then what's funny is we highlighted this from the draft big r took a risk and drafted idps way earlier than anybody else and what's funny is those IDPs have been awful for him. So he took Joe Schobert, I believe, in like the ninth round. And the dude isn't doing anything. Like Big R even said himself, like in person, he was like, yeah, that guy's terrible. You know, which is just, <laughs> that's wild. That, that's a ninth round pick in a dynasty fantasy draft, you know. And so I yeah. I think that's starting to really hurt him um, from depth pieces, um, from the ability to get any points out of his IDPs, like all of these things are starting to matter for Big R, um, which is the reason he's at two and three in the second lowest scorer in our league. But you're right, like it's wild. I had him as a top three finisher in our league and it really doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, no, it is wild. And just as a a clarification, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire hasn't scored since uh, week one, but uh, he did. I mean, he he underperformed, but he, I mean, he's he, he looks okay. I think their better days are ahead for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yeah, no, uh, I, but we he's keep saying that, right? Like, don't yeah. we keep saying that same thing about him? Yeah, like, it's the yeah. Chiefs' offense. I agree, but <laughs> I have not seen any plays where I'm like, that's why they drafted him. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I didn't. I didn't see that many plays from. Uh, it was the Super Bowl MVP or should have been that running back with three touchdowns. Was it Darian? <laughs> he didn't Thompson? have that many special plays. Yeah, I forget if it was Damian Williams. Oh, or I think it was Dar- Damian Williams. Uh, I think yeah, it was Damian like Williams. the guy who opted out. I think that, like a lot of times, just being in the Chiefs' offense, you're going to benefit from. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you're probably right, but I do think it's something to monitor. Um, yeah. Now that we've kind of done our week five recap i want to just give like a oh. standings oh go ahead i'm sorry i'm sorry i was just gonna say for Connolly. uh oh there there wasn't a whole lot i had to say i was just gonna say dk metcalf is a problem they or megatron like we talked about mm-hmm. and teddy in the carolina offense has been a welcome surprise so yeah no they have and uh who is the is it joe brady that's the offensive coordinator for Carolina yeah, now. he definitely is going to be in line for a head coaching job very soon. Very he, soon. Like, 
dude, very he's, soon. He's working wonders down there. Well, and with also with how terrible that... LSU looks this year. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like, this dude is a master. There's a, there's a, a common denominator, if you will. Would agree. I would agree. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my, I, I didn't realize I didn't say this, but my notes on Conley were like, this week he just showed again why he's a contender this year. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. like his team is, is very good. Um, and having Kareem Hunt kind of bump up another tier with Nick Chubb out is going to continue yep. to make him a problem. So, I also uh now that we did the recap I wanted to give kind of a standings update I feel like we haven't done that as of yet um if people aren't paying attention so we've got uh Garrett number one at five and oh we've got myself at four and one in second Camden is three and two Zach is three and two Conley is three and two um which those get broken up by points four so Camden in third Zach in fourth Conley in fifth Bowie is two and three in sixth. Gabe is two and three in seventh. Big R two and three in eighth. Ben is one and four in ninth, and Daniel is zero and five in tenth. Um, and then our overall season pick'em record between you and me, I am now six and nine after my horrendous pick'ems this last week, and you are ten and five. So. You are much better at this than me. <laughs> um, with that being said, let's get into our last bit here of the pod. Uh, it's getting a little bit lengthy, but that's okay. Uh, I feel like it's been a good one. Um, yeah. We're going to make our picks for this week ahead. Uh, we'll go through these really quick, and then we'll kind of uh, fade out of our episode here. Um, so... Looking ahead to next week, our first matchup that we have is me versus Zach. Um, as we've kind of highlighted throughout this pod, Zach got hit pretty hard with running back depth. Even if Le'Veon gets signed, I don't know that he plays this week. I really struggle to see who Zach's going to start at running back this week. Uh, I am finally able to play my four-headed wide receiver monster, like I said earlier. So, obviously, I am going to pick myself in this one. Yeah, I've got Cam, and because of all the similar reasons, I've, uh, yeah, I've got you, and it's not close. <laughs> oh, thanks. That probably means I'll lose. <laughs> Next matchup we have is Camden versus Daniel. I, I put in my notes here, I was like, this might actually be the toughest pick of the week um, because Camden is... Like he, we keep saying this about him, but his roster just keeps getting massacred. Um, Daniel actually did pretty well last week. I think that Camden's roster is finally going to catch up to him. He's not going to be able to overcome all those injuries. Daniel gets his first win of the season. I'm picking Daniel. All right, and I will pick Camden. Um, I think that the flex situation is the difference maker. Uh, Chris Godwin and Devontae Parker for Camden versus Jarek McKinnon and Nicole Hardman for Daniel. Um, I think that one, like the two for Camden are consistent and going to score double digits. I think that maybe Nicole Hardman finds the end zone this week, but if I'm playing my chances, Daniel's playing both Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon, it looks like I'm taking Camden. All right, Daniel, come on, make those dart throws count this week, man. We have, for our next matchup, we've got Gabe versus Conley. Uh, on this, 
I put you have three new pieces that are coming into your team and you're kind of waiting for all of those guys to get healthy. Uh, we highlighted this in the trade. This was more of like a long-term play with, for you, but kind of in the short term, it's going to be a little bit tougher. Um, I don't know that the Saints are going to totally unleash Michael Thomas uh, just with everything going on with him, including the injury. So I'm actually going to pick Conley to win this one. Yeah, and I've got myself because I never bet against myself. Mad respect, brother. Mad respect. Um, let's see. Bowie versus Ben is our next matchup. Uh, Bowie got better in the short term from that same trade we were just talking about. And unfortunately for Ben, as has been the case all season, he just has really bad timing. Um, and so I think Bowie's team is going to uh, kind of go off on Ben a little bit. Um, it'll also be interesting because they had a trade earlier this season. So this will actually have implication for how that first round pick swap uh, goes at the end of the season. True. True. I didn't think about that. I'll also take Bowie here. Um, like you said, I think that, uh, the timing of the trade, I'm, I apologize to Ben, but, uh, I think that Bowie's running backs are kind of weak during the bye week at least, but I do think, um, the head, the head to head of Chase Edmonds versus Kenyon Drake will be fun to just kind of watch and we'll see, like maybe, maybe Kenyon Drake can win out, um, and look like he did last year, or maybe we'll see the emergence of, uh, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I, I do think this week will be paramount for how that backfield's going to shake out. And that's not including if there's a Le'Veon Bell sighting, which, who knows? That was one of the potential backfields that I've seen <laughs> that he ends up. That would be kind of wild. That would be wild. Cause then, and he can sign for the vet minimum, so exactly like money, the, the, the Kenyan Drake wouldn't hurt that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Uh, the last matchup here is Garrett versus Big R. In my opinion, these teams are heading in two very different directions. Uh, Big R is headed in the absolute wrong direction. Garrett is looking like a machine, just absolutely unbeatable. And that's why I'm picking Big R to win the game. And I will be picking Garrett. <laughs> Wait, what? You said Big R. <laughs> I did say Big R. I'm never cheering for Garrett. Are you Wait, kidding? the setup was the setup was so weird that I like flowed into my next few words, and then I was like, "Wait a second, this man didn't say what I thought he was going to say." I'm never picking Garrett. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Let's go. That ain't ever happening. Honestly, this week kind of scares me for uh, Garrett. He's losing Russ on by, and uh, yeah, that's probably enough to scare me. But besides that. I'll pick Garrett. I, I think he finds a way. At some point, like he can't go undefeated this season. Yeah, you would think that he would lose. That's... And this is a this is actually a pretty like safe game, I feel like, to pick him to lose. One of his best players is on by a super underperforming team that's like bound to eventually rebound. Like I feel like this is well set up for a trap game, but I don't know. I would also like I, to I point think... out I've picked against Garrett every week, and he's won every week. And I would like the record to show that's why my picks have been so horrible. Like, my record would be very similar to yours. It, I, it actually, I would be beating you in this pick'em record, except I refuse to cheer for Garrett. So, whatever, man. Yeah. I'm willing to give that record up if it means not cheering for him. 
Yeah, if you just if you take away Alvin Kamara's receptions and touchdowns, he's not even that good. That's pretty much what I just heard out of you. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. Oh, well, but, you got anything uh, else yeah. for us? No, I uh, enjoyed it as usual, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it again uh, next week. And any feedback that we get from uh, from this one, we do want to hear back about the uh, the trade thing, though. So if you uh, if you have an opinion one way or the other, throw it in the group chat. Uh, thank you guys as always for listening. If you made it to this point, we enjoy doing this for you guys. It's a lot of fun for us. I hope it's a lot of fun for y'all. Good luck to everybody except for Zach and Gary.